These days, because Ballistic Arts, we focus on middle market B2B companies, everyone really wants a return. That's really the value that we bring when we help our clients from a digital marketing. We work backwards, we reverse engineer, how much money do you want to make? What is your average order size? Then we break it down over a monthly you know, breakdown. And then from there, we just go, okay, well, based on that, what's your close rate? And then we figure out how many qualified calls they need. Welcome to the Scaling Edge. This is the internet talk program that focuses on the hard-won lessons of battle-hardened entrepreneurs here to share their value with you. I am your host, Michael Brooks. Max is here. Oh, yeah. Super happy to be here today. Oh, you should be because we have someone who in their LinkedIn page right at the header says, no bullshit digital marketing. Sounds like somebody that you want to talk to digital marketing about. We have Ted Lau from Ballistic Arts. Ted, thank you for being a part of our program. Thank you for being on the Scaling Edge. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Hey, Michael. Well, thank you. Nice to, to meet y'all and thank you for having me on the show. So yeah, a little bit about me. Ballistic Arts is a company I started 22 years ago in the room above my parents' garage. I started it with $0 and just kind of built it from there, like one brick at a time. And I know your listeners are trying to think about how to scale, but I mean, I've made in the 22 years a ton of mistakes. And so maybe you can learn from my pain. Basically how I started was with a video production camera, video editing, and just kind of built it from there. But I had a lot of clients are like back in the day of DVDs and VHS tapes. They're like, we don't even have a TV in our restaurant. Or I was cold calling a bunch of places that were just- Wait, how old were you then? Because you like were young now. Oh, wow. Thank you very much. You can't see the, my guess my camera's not very good. You can't see all the grays in my head, but uh, I started it at 21. 21. That's still pretty old. Right out of, right out of school. You've been at this for 22 years. I mean, that makes you a a senior citizen. Senior senior citizen? citizen. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a senior, senior citizen. So, I mean, look, you've probably seen a lot during, what have you seen as the biggest change in digital marketing in the last 22 years? Well, for one, digital marketing is, didn't exist when I first started, right? So digital marketing, Facebook was not around. YouTube was not around. Insta. MySpace was. My, you could totally I my I did, I did not MySpace anything, all right? But uh, digital marketing has really changed insofar as, actually, we started as a creative agency. So we did video, then we got into graphics, then we got into websites. So we were a creative agency for a number of years. And it was great. It was a lot of fun because I liked creating content. But really, if, if we're talking about scaling, it's around hiring people that are smarter than you. In fact, I just uh, released a, a video on my YouTube channel called You Know Ted that you it's brand new. There's no freaking followers. So maybe y'all people can follow. But anyway, I literally just started launched it last night. And I talked about one thing is hiring people smarter than you. And that's one thing that I did to learn to grow and scale. But to your question around how digital marketing has changed, I think ultimately people at first were just trying to figure out what it was, get likes, get followers. These days, because Ballistic Arts, we focus on middle market B2B companies. Everyone really wants a return. That's really the value that we bring when we help our clients from a digital marketing standpoint. It's we work backwards, we reverse engineer, how much money do you want to make? What is your average order size? Then we break it down over a monthly 
you know, breakdown. And then from there, we just go, okay, well, based on that, what's your close rate? And then we figure out how many qualified calls they need. It's really that simple, but a lot of our clients typically are frustrated because they, when they come to us, that they have a lot of people just say, okay, do this one thing, do that one thing. But it's not that. You have to do it holistically. It's like, you know, uh, if you want to win the Super Bowl, you're not going to just eat avocado ice cream like Tom Brady. Just because you heard Tom Brady do it doesn't mean that that's all you do. You have to- you Wait, know, do- avocado ice cream is a thing? Oh, did you not hear about this a few years ago? Well, clearly, because you're in Puerto Rico, you probably don't even watch the NFL. Do you get, even get the NFL where you are? I don't watch any sports, but oh. but I I do like ice cream and I like avocado. There is avocado ice cream. And so you can make it if you go to, I I'm, I shouldn't be plugging Tom Brady because he's not paying me for this, right? But yeah. if you go to his website, you can find out. And that was a, a thing when he launched his fitness thing. Because, you know, he was a Super Bowl winner at 44, 45. And so people want to know, what is that? But just because you eat avocado ice cream does not mean you're going to win the Super Bowl. So just because you heard that, oh, LinkedIn Sales Navigator is the next thing or whatever, let's say you read that, that doesn't mean that also now you're going to make millions in your business. It has to be holistic. You have to know your audience. You have to say the things that are going to solve your clients' or your customers' problems with your product and your service. A so you quarterback can- can't win a, a football game alone. Right. You need not. to focus on the entire field. Even the yeah. guy who doesn't really play sports, I know that there has to be somebody who can catch really well. There has to be a Jerry Rice for every Joe Montana. And right. there has to be a team that supports that entire process. Yeah, yeah. We'll keep it we'll keep it we'll keep it new today. Need need a for every Patrick Mahomes, you need a Travis Kelsey. There you go. Two names. I must have heard about Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's dating Taylor Swift. I heard somebody was dating Taylor Swift. It's not us. It's not us. It's not us. I heard, I heard it from her songs, all of them, that oh. stopped dating them. So, but at any rate, that's a, so that's very cool. That's some some good advice. Uh, back to what you said about hiring smarter people smarter than you. How do you go about doing that? Right? If somebody is that much smarter than you, why are they going to be hired by you? What, okay. What's the incentive that you have? What can you offer them? Well, I if, think if, if you're if they're so much smarter than you are, really great question. So just because they're smart. So here's the thing. Entrepreneurs are not that smart. We're actually kind of kind of um, foolish because we're taking the risk of putting everything on the line every day, right? We're just gluttons for punishment. Most Masochists. Masochists. Most smart people don't want to do that. They want to do their job, do it right, and have a place that pays them and makes them feel appreciated. And that's really- Have cool. a peaceful life. Have a peaceful life, not insane people like us, right? And so I think, well, okay, look, the, when I first started hiring people, it was not anything. It was just like, Hey, can you open this program and do this job and basically make almost nothing because that's what I'm offering. And they're saying, yes. Then I'm like, oh yeah, come on down, sit on down. And then when I started realizing that there's this revolving door of people coming in and out, coming in and out, then I started figuring out, okay, well, what else do I have to do? So core values is something that a lot of my mentors in the past have told me about. And you got to really have really solid core values. And when I'm saying core values, these are not, you know, those stereotypical in the 90s, the black border with the eagle saying, you know, goals or something like that, right? It, it's core value that you as the owner or leadership live and breathe every day, something that you inherently already do. And that's really important. I'll give you an example just from a personal life. Me and my wife have been together since 1999. So three years older than the business itself. And we have Wait nothing. 
You've been married to your wife for 25 years? No, no, no. We were dating in 99. We got married in 06 because I was poor, remember? So and then I had so to like- you were, what, 17, 18 at the time? I met her at 19, buddy. Wow. I just come back from the Woodstock concert. So I took a bus from Vancouver, Canada, a Greyhound all the way to Rome, New York. It took me like three and a half days. I was supposed to be studying business and accounting or something like that. And I didn't do that, obviously. And I watched Rage, Rage Against the Machine play and come back. And then shortly after that, I met her. It was a ton of fun. But my point was on the core value side, right? Here I am listening to Rage Against the Machine. My wife at the time was a big Mariah Carey fan. We had nothing in common. However, our core values were the same. And so because of that, just because you have different interests, your core if your core values are the same, you're going to make a great team. And that's one thing that I realized from my personal life that I took into my business life. Everyone that comes to Ballistic Arts, I mean, I have team members now. So what are what are the core values of Ballistic Arts? How did you di- how did you discover your core values? I'm sure some people are like, "Hey, we got to have these core values." Mm-hmm. And and there's an entrepreneur going, "Uh, be good." Yeah, absolutely. So how do you stuff you know, mm-hmm. like how do you how do you identify your core values? I was I was in the those shoes exactly. I had I was in a program called EO Accelerator, Entrepreneurs Organization Accelerator yeah. Program. And at the time it was me and three other people. And the mentor speaker said, you know, you gotta really do your core values. And he, he said the stuff that I just said. And I said, Well, why? Like what that seems like a big corporate exercise. And he's like, Look, if you have you have four people in your company, and if one of them doesn't align and they decide to leave, that's 25% of your workforce. So it was very invaluable. And so he took he told me to take a, read a book called Good to Great. And Great I, book. It's, it's, it's an older book now. And there's an- yeah, still, there's, still same principles. There's still an, there's an appendix called Mission to Mars. I think you have to Google Jim Collins, Good to Great, Mission to Mars. And this is the worksheet. And I just sat in my boardroom one day and just worked on the core values and the core values kind of have organically changed over the years. So we used to have uh, five different core values. Now we have four, we trimmed one down, we modified another one. And then we added actually something that's a little bit different called our company mindset. But to ask you, you asked me what my company core values are. We have four of them, continuous improvement. So everyone that works at Ballistic Art has to continuously strive to learn and grow. So for me, I've had the business, sure, for 22 years, but it's not the same business. We started as a video production company. Now we're a lead generation digital marketing marketing agency, and we pivoted and modified and grew in various different- No bullshit digital marketing solutions. No bullshit. And then now I'm actually starting to become a content creator like yourself, You know, following your great shoes. I started being a- podcaster over COVID. One of my friends runs Marketing News Canada. It's a national podcast, largest uh, podcast about marketing, advertising, and communications in Canada. And it was COVID in the middle of COVID. He called me. He's like, hey, buddy, you uh, ever think to be a podcast host? And I'm like, fuck no. I'm like, no, sorry. I shouldn't. I'm like, no, there's, why would I want everyone to do it? years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure these entrepreneurs. You just, you just ever- broke Max. You just basically took Max. Oh, yeah. Um, Innocence away from none. It's fine. And then so I started doing that and being a content creator and kind of built it from there. And now I'm starting a YouTube channel and talking to you. But that's one core value. The second one is uh, Radical Candor. Radical Candor is a book that you can you can read. It's around caring personally, but challenging directly. Being someone of no bullshit. That can't be refreshing from as a marketing tagline, but working for someone like that sometimes 
the niceties kind of fall by the wayside. And if I'm just calling someone out and someone's not used to it, they're like, because again, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh no, this guy's like, you could read my glass door reviews. It's horrible because I got these people, these sensitive butterflies. I probably shouldn't say that live, but like certain folks that weren't fitting our core value. I should have said that. That just did. I, sensitive you know, I butterflies. Who are the sensitive butterflies? Those are people that that don't like dirty, dirty language. Like you, I think people it. don't like being called out and just straight out like, "Hey, this there's a problem here. There's a problem here," and just. Oh yeah, no, I, I got no party. You got no no place for that. Well, I I think what like, I had there's, to... there's no they're like how do you how do you deal with it? Like so, you're finding people smarter than you, right? But they mm-hmm. don't want to do what you do, mm-hmm. and you're going. Hey, I'm going to hold you accountable using language that I hold myself accountable, and then that hurts their feelings. That that's and exactly, then, and then you end up paying for therapy for them. And and but like, how do you how do you work? Like that's what I mean is you hire these people smarter than you. How do you adjust to their communication style almost Socratically to where you can find common ground and then move them along and help them with their lives, but also maintain your authentic candor that you have. So that actually goes with the first core value, the continuous improvement. So as a leader, just because I'm a leader doesn't mean I know everything and I'm yeah. perfect. So my, uh, I had to improve my empathy communication. There's a book, uh, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Really good you book. You read a lot of books. Continuous improvement, buddy. Like this is something that you gotta do. That's a core value. The core value. So that, a radical candor, for me, Kander was I challenged directly a lot, but if you look at the quadrant that they have, there is the challenge directly, but there's also caring personally. And I think I might have, sure, I inherently cared about people and I didn't communicate that in a way that showed that. So that's that's the second one. Third one is cause and effect. So what you do today will affect tomorrow. Same thing. If I call someone out and I do it in a way that isn't going to land on them as a productive way of communicating, well, that's going to have an effect. So cause and effect. Yeah. On, and it, it, that's, that's part of being an entrepreneur or is, is you have to kind of adjust to the person that you're working with and then slowly get them to align. And it means continue, it means, it means aligning and bridging that communication gap. Sure. And now, that's, and that's I, so, Yes and no. So the or that's leadership, though. There's that leadership aspect and hiring people that are more aligned to these core values. The fourth one is determination. So not giving up a lot. That, that is that is true. You 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 don't always have to do that. You, but you have to weigh that, right? If somebody's so this much smarter than you, they have this much capabilities, but they have a little bit of the 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 what did you call them butterflies or sensitives. Sensitive, fragile. I think I, I something that I just made up now that it's probably going to bite me in the butt sometime. Where you, where you have to kind of say, "Hey, I, I find that that I like ask permission, right?" Okay. So say, look, like uh, I'll talk with someone. I know something's going to be heated, and I know I'm going to be my. I use foul language too. I say these say bad words all the time. So I, I say, "Hey, is it okay? Like this is the way I talk. Are, are you okay with that, or should I be careful?" And some people go, "No, I, I don't like hearing that." Okay, that's fine. And then, you know, you, you, you have to kind of temper yourself, but some people go, no, that's fine. And you go, go be you. And then you can go and like feel, get their feedback of what's going on with them, you know, listen to the, 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 the feedback of their expressions. And if they can 
you know, they, they can digest your candor and your tone and all that's all that, uh, that comes from you. That's more authentic. That seems to be a trick that works for me by asking permission, mm. right? It, it, it involves them in that, in that decision. And it's not just say, Hey, you know, you really fucked up on this, right? Like this is, this is, was bullshit. I were those from bullshit agency. And this is where you were hiding from yourself while you're doing them a favor, right? And you're like, this is way, yeah, you know, so I was taught to learn. This is the way grandpa talked to me, right? You're, you're, for them, it's like, ah, hey, you're, you're, you're fucking me up. Whereas if you go, look, this is something I got a lot of energy and a lot of thoughts about. I want to give you some feedback, but can I have your, would you prefer if I kind of be a little more careful and not be too aggressive? Or can I just kind of speak to you where I would speak to myself or, or, or a sibling and, and really give them like more of a pep talk? That kind of involvement really takes away an element of an arrogance from the leader that thinks that everybody's just going to accept the communication style that they have. I really like that. That way, the the person that you're working with has an opportunity to be a part of either granting or denying that permission. They might go, oh, 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 you know, that's a little bit much, but at least this way, okay, sorry, but this is, this is, this is a way for them to to, to, to feel somewhat empowered instead of, they may not talk that way and they may feel, Hey, that way you're talking, even though I appreciate it, you appreciate it, it's candor. It may come off as rude, right? Oh, so yeah. they're going, they're going, I can't be rude to you, but you can be rude to me. And that's a very powerless position for somebody, right? I remember being a little kid and my stepdad, he would yell and scream and cuss, but I couldn't do it. And it was oh. like, man, that sucks. Like it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a power removing feeling. But if my stepdad's like, Hey, I'm really upset and I want to tell you about it, but I want your permission to, I, would you rather me be all nice words and just kind of tell you a little bit, or can I really be, share my heart and tell you what I'm really feeling? And, and some bad words may come out like that kind of, that kind of request for permission is extremely powerful. And I think it really helps both sides. It helps. You, because you get now licensed to to speak without the the feeling you're going to break somebody, and it gives them some control over over what they allow you over what they allow in, and then that way they're going, okay, he asked me permission, I I granted. Uh, I think you're right. I think it goes to the also the hiring smarter people. So yes, asking the permission, I think that's a great tip. Well, smart is I, not always it's subject to. No, no, to but my point, my, my point was is that. I think you're thinking of that like I'm a I'm a business where it's like me and then everyone else down. I actually have a leadership team and I have management, and so I actually will I will get their insights. If we have a disciplinary issue or we have an issue with a team member or a particular situation, I'm actually asking around and getting some insights from my director of ops, maybe my HR, maybe uh, the manager at hand, and I think that is very helpful because they have insights, they have specific context, and they might. The person that may be in question, you know, maybe I'm a couple of levels above them, they might have a better relationship and actually figure out, okay, well, this is what we got to do. For example, we have someone that's new to the company that's starting out and they're, they're, they went around their manager. They're brand new, like three weeks in. They went around their manager, even though their manager told them do this and they ended up going to HR to figure it out. And when we found out, we were trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we address this? And so do we have just the manager have another more radical conversation with them or do we bring HR and ops, right? 
So, and we had to figure out, okay, well, is it going to be too aggressive for this person's personality and really understanding how that person is going to receive the communication? Because ultimately we want it to work. We don't want someone to feel bad. One of the company mindset things we have at Ballistic is called workability, where there's no blame, there's no morality. It's simply, is it workable? This situation is not more workable. So how do we make it so it's going to be workable? And by, if we were going to bring in now HR and director of ops and four, three or four people talking to this new person, they're going to freak out. And and that's where understanding, and some people won't, some people will, this person might. And yeah. I think understanding that and getting insights and input from, like I said, people smarter than me, yeah, I think is okay. And just because they're smarter doesn't mean they're smarter in every way. They, they're smarter in that specific thing. I have web programmers that are super smart at web programming, web developing, but they're not smarter in, I don't know, interpersonal communication or sales or finance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've, this has been an exciting, fun call. We, but we're bumping up on time. Uh, I, I think we're going to have to do another one and I don't say that very often, but this has been very exciting. So we're going to put something else on the books, but, uh, for right now, Ted, if somebody wants your radical candor, if they want the no bullshit digital marketing, how do they find you? How do they work with ballistic arts? Yeah. So a number of ways, and thank you again for having me as a guest and would love to come back. I think we've had a lot of fun and a lot of shares. One way is ballisticarts.com. Really easy. You can find our website and learn more about what we do. I, like I said, launched a brand new YouTube channel just yesterday called You Know Ted. I don't even think you can find it. So you might have to go You Know Ted Lau to find it. I think my daughter found it yesterday. And then another one is Marketing News Canada. If you want to hear more great stories around the world's best marketers, by all means, check that out. I just finished interviewing the CMO of Indeed the other week. And it's just- Oh, wow. Yeah. Very, great. very cool. Yeah. Well, we will throw all of that into the show notes and uh, we really appreciate you being on the program. Thank you for being on the Scaling Edge. Uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Ted. All right, my friend. Be well, everybody. Thanks. <laughs>